Hey, hiya, howdy, salutations, and welcome to the Harlots of History podcast. This is the show for the curious listener, the raunchy feminist, the sex-positive comic, co-hosted by us, your resident amateur historians who love a side of sexy with their history. Listen as we chat and lecture each other on infamous mistresses, lovers, sex workers, courtesans, madams, vamps, sirens, scam artists, and of course, harlots. I'm Emily. And I'm Karamia. So go grab your salty snacks and a fizzy drink of your choice. Sit back and be entertained. We fully endorse this show to assist you, listener, as a procrastinator. This show also contains alcohol, some colorful language, and sexual content and is not appropriate for those under 18. Sorry, not sorry to our children and pets. Okay, ready? We're going. Oh, hi. I'm just taking out my tea bag. This is Karamia. Actual, an actual tea bag. An actual tea bag. Not, nothing uh, sexual. This is a very calm episode tonight. We're both drinking tea. Oh, so I'm Karamia. That was just taking her tea bag out of her tea. <laughs> and I'm Emily, whose dog is walking around the closet. And now I'm taking out my tea bag. <laughs> <laughs> let's just let's just all realize that I had a specific cup for my tea bag, and Emily just plopped hers anywhere. Uh, yeah, I just plopped mine, but I have a mug. Okay, so this is a tea episode. Emily and I don't know what to do with ourselves because we aren't traditionally tea drinkers, but we have decided to kind of let alcohol take a back seat, and we just really wanted to give ourselves a restart. Save alcohol for the special occasions. Maybe slowly reintroduce it into our lives, but we are drinking tea tonight, and we want our mugs. Our mugs very much describe our personality. I'm drinking uh, the office mug that says "Bear Beats a Battle Cycle," and who's on the front of it? Dwight, of course. And people don't know this about me, but I am addicted to spicy foods. I put hot sauce on everything and jalapenos on everything. So I have a sriracha logo mug that says, "I put sriracha on my sriracha." <laughs> I really like it. Okay, well, so this is Harlots of History. <laughs> this is an amateur historian podcast that we have so much fun doing. Uh, we do. And this is our last spooky mini Oh, I'm kind of sad. It's been fun. It's okay, we'll have Guys, more. I know. But we have a very special guest today. Oh, we do. We do. It's Polar, my dog. Emily's super, super cute dog. Her legs are way too short for her body, and it is the most pleasing thing to look at. <laughs> That's a weird way to describe it. Please. It is. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we did our introduction. We have to just go for yeah, it. It's a mini-sode. We're of- trying to keep our mini-sodes mini, and we're really bad at that. So let's do it. Oh, yeah. we were. Yeah. I already went like three pages over what I was supposed to do. Okay. Are you I ready? I am. Let's go. Frasier, True Blood, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Do you know what character all of these shows have in common? No, tell me who or whom. <laughs> That's right. Lilith. <laughs> oh, I'm, so, I'm uh, so excited because I have such a crush on the name Lilith. I've actually like wanted to name one of my babies it. And I like love her tale. And I also love the character in Frasier so much. She's like my favorite thing about Frasier. Well, she was like kind of named after yeah, her. Yeah, she was. And her character, yeah. remember, like, every time she comes in, like, hell freezes over. Their yeah. blood runs ice cold. Yeah. So, Lilith, we have mentioned her before in an episode, and I thought it was time that we talk about the OG harlot. True. Lilith is, yep, she was the OG harlot. 
She has been portrayed as a baby-stealing demon who inseminates herself with sperm from innocent men to take baby to make baby demonites. For real, though. That's cute. But in recent years, she has emerged as a feminist icon and is indirectly responsible for launching the careers of some of our favorite pop icons like Missy Elliott and Jewel. How? Okay, I'll wait. I'll wait. We'll get to it. Yeah, come on. I say recent because she's been portrayed as a feminist icon for like 50 years, but in the scheme of things, like looking back to possible representation of her in Sumerian texts, mm-hmm. like 50 years is pretty recent. It is. Lilith may have been wronged by a misogynistic society. That's sarcasm. She definitely was. As we know. <laughs> I was like, oh, she was. I'm just kidding. We all are. We all yeah. are. <laughs> we all are. As we know, the origin story from the Bible is kind of problematic. Don't at me. It's super problematic. Paints a picture of women as sinners, as lesser than men, and as ruiners of all fun and laughter. Think about this. As I was writing this, I thought about it. Also, I was studying for anatomy. If you break a rib, it hurts to laugh. Adam had to break his rib to make Eve, so she took all the fun out of everything. Hmm. I mean, that may be a bit of a stretch, but I don't think so. No, that's interesting. And also, I want to just quickly bring up, like, I was raised extremely religious. I am no longer in the slight bit religious. It It made me go so far the other way, but I never once in Sunday school or whatever, I didn't learn about Lilith until I went to World Lit in college. Well, she also, too, has been mostly in Jewish texts. I know. As well. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I didn't know about her until, I don't know, my mom mentioned her when she was reading a feminist book about her. Anyway, so Lilith's origins are not directly known. She first appears in the 19th or 9th or 10th centuries, like, legitimately appears like they're referencing Lilith but many scholars point to etymological distinctions that hint to her appearance before then the Sumerian myth descent of descent of Inanna in around 3000 BCE mentions Lily or Lulu demons Isaiah 34:14 cites a Lilith who can either be referenced to as an owl or a demon that sounds like a, a, babel- t- a ton of room for translation error <laughs> I know <laughs> I know. Let's see why it's like hard. No, yeah, yeah. The Babylonian Talmud, written around 800 or 1,000 common era, and that's just a generic term for a book of documents about the first work of rabbinic law, states, quote, it is forbidden for a man to sleep alone in a house lest Lilith get hold of him, end quote. So that's like, that's when she's popping up in like, you know, 800... I, I almost I almost like there. wonder too like what other anti female type of legends demons demonites like popped up around the same time as Lilith like I wonder like when the idea of a succubus and the idea of a harpy and a cyber you know what I mean I just like really wonder when those popped up in terms of like you know it's something for us to think about for later episodes. That's never really right? good. Like, yeah. Right? She has like would, one succubus. Like, right? That, like, these are all only females, right? That's a that's a really good uh-huh. idea. Yeah. Cause then they're all like evil and they're all harming men. Like, it's like, really? Okay. So in this representation of her going after a man who's by himself, we see the literal demonization of a woman who is unattached to a man and is not afraid of her own sexuality, mm-hmm. along with our favorite reference to men as victims of their uncontrollable sexual desire. <laughs> I roll, I roll, I roll. Stupid Brock so, Turner. I don't want to talk about it. The alphabet of Ben Surah, 
A satiric text from the 10th and 9th and 10th centuries is where Lilith makes her first real appearance. So she's like popped up before she was in the um, Babylonian, Bab- Babylonian rabbinic texts. But this is where she's like directly so what referenced. country is this in? Or what area? Um, or what culture, you know, religion? Uh, Judaism. Judy. Okay, okay. Okay, yeah. sorry. Sorry, I was like, um, I was just trying so to place it. Yeah, I don't know what country, but Judaism. Yeah. okay. Um, and that's where she's mostly popping up. So the alphabet of Ben Sarah is where she makes her first real appearance. And boy, did she come out patriarchy be damned, bra a blazing. <laughs> an, excerpt, <laughs> an excerpt from Ben Sarah reads, quote, When the first man, Adam, saw he was alone, God made for him a woman like himself from the earth. God called her name Lilith and brought her to Adam. They immediately began to quarrel. Adam said, you lie beneath me. And Lilith said, you lie beneath me. We are both equal for both of us are from the earth. And they would not listen to one another. And that's That's so amazing. That was from the 800. That's so amazing. I know. So, like, there's clearly a lot to unpack here. While it may have been satirical, there's more to this text than just poking fun at the idea of a woman not wanting to lie flat on her back under a chauvinistic male with only 11 ribs and a bunch of leaves for underwear. (laughs) (laughs) Rabbi Jewel Hammer points out that it may have been an attempt to explain away infant deaths. As later in the story, Lilith refuses to go back to Adam and instead vows to kill babies. It's also where, and of course, like there was a lot of infant death at this time mm-hmm. because medicine. Um, lack of so it's also worth, medicine. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Lack of medicine. It's also worth noting that when Lilith escapes, she goes to the Sea of Reeds where Hebrews went to escape slavery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then according, so I really love this quote too. According to Rabbi Hammer, quote, in this version of the Lilith story, Lilith becomes what all tyrants fear, a person who is aware she is enslaved. Mm. End quote. I know. I really, really like Well, that. And also, it's like, fiction. I remember, like, me being, like, a really inquisitive, budding little feminist at age 10. Like, I remember, mm-hmm. like, the, I mean, my mom encouraged strong women, but not necessarily feminism. And so I remember asking, so... Women are made for men. We're not equal to men. And they're like, that is how it's in the Bible, honey. And I was like, I don't, I don't like this one bit. I don't like it. And I remember having a huge problem with that story when I was young. Yeah. Huge problem. I know. Huge problem. There, you should have. And it's like, what about people who I mean, like literally take the Bible literally? I mean, it's, it's becoming a new phenomenon again. It's just like, it's meant to be metaphorical, people. Yeah, don't take the Bible literally. Okay, we could. I actually, I've never been religious, but I, I almost minored in religion in college. Like, I took a bunch of religion classes because so it's just interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's world, interesting world, to see it across the world culture. Religions are very interesting. Very interesting. So Lilith continues to make her appearance, popping up throughout culture. In the 12th century text of Zohar, she first appears as the wife of Satan. In Jewish folklore, she becomes associated with baby stealing and preventive measure, measures such as amulets worn and red ribbons tied around the cribs are taken. So she's just very, you know, really demonized. Lilith continued to be seen as a demonic, child-killing, sneaky, semen-stealing she-devil until 1972. 1972 was not just the year that Watergate arrests were made. <laughs> Carol King won Best Song for You've Got a Friend in Me, and My Brother Was Born. <laughs> it, it, was, it was also the year that Judith Plasco wrote The Coming of Lilith, the feminist origin story of our dreams. I added the last uh, part. Just I've heard of this. Yes, I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. And now I will read you a piece from Please. it. It's 
Amazing. Can okay, I take quote. a really loud sip of my it. tea first? Yeah, sip your tea. Sipping the tea. <laughs> Every time you've done that, you've never had actual tea. Now you do. <laughs> right. <laughs> so here's a piece of it from Jewish Women's Archive, The Coming of Lilith by Judith Plaskow. Quote, in the beginning, the Lord God formed Adam and Lilith from the dust of the ground and breathed into their nostrils the breath of life. Created from the same source, both having been formed from the ground, they were equal in all ways. Adam, being a man, didn't like this situation, and he looked for ways to change it. He said, I'll have my figs now, Lilith, ordering her to wait on him, and he tried to leave to her the daily tasks of life in the garden. But Lilith wasn't one to take any nonsense. She picked herself up, uttered God's holy name, and flew away. Well now, Lord, complained Adam, that uppity woman you sent me has gone and deserted me. The Lord, inclined to be sympathetic, sent his messengers after Lilith, telling her to shape up and return to Adam or face dire punishment. She, however, preferring anything to living with Adam, decided to stay where she was, end quote. That was an amazing, what's it called, Cliff Notes version of... That's just, well, that's just one passage, the, directly, yeah, that, that, a directly quoted passage. Yeah. We're going to have to um, post this book on our Instagram because I definitely need to order it from something other than Amazon, but I need to order it. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh my God. It's amazing. So since then, the story, like Lilith as a feminist icon just erupted mm-hmm. in the seventies. And since then, the story has been imagined in many different creative and feminist lights. So these are all different interpretations that different authors have taken mm-hmm. and, and written. Even Lilith were lovers, which I like. Me too. L- Lilith decides to give up her identity, forget she ever was Lilith, and live blissfully happy as Eve. So she, like, agrees to give up her memory. Blech. And then, so that's one. But this is, these are, like, in, like yeah, interpretations. But this is seen as a metaphor for the discord between being in a relationship and trying to maintain self-identity, mm-hmm. which... I thought was really that is interesting. Actually super interesting. That's really yeah. All, identify with that. Yeah. yeah. And then this one, Lilith and Eve were not separate. Rather, Lilith was Eve's like sexual id. Mm, I actually so really like that version. I like that one too. And this is that my means personal we favorite. We have Lilith inside of us. We do. I love that. Sorry, I, yeah. I just did a happy dance. <laughs> we do have Lilith inside of us. Okay, so this is my personal favorite. Lilith popped. In and out of history for years, and we checked back in with her at the end of the 20th century, where she was living in Jersey with the cab driver. (laughs) (laughs) I really like that. Funny, I love it. So, as you can see, Lilith from here took off as a feminist icon, or as I like to call her, the OG harlot. In 1976, Lilith magazine was published which championed itself as independent, Jewish, and frankly, feminist. Mm-hmm. In the first edition, and that's what they like literally championed themselves as, it's like a direct quote from, that's like their tagline. In the first edition, activist Aviva Cantor-Zuckoff wrote, quote, even if we accept Lilith's vengeful activities, we can regard them as having originated in self-defense against male domination mm-hmm. and as a consequence of having to fight on a loan century after century for her independence, quote, which is like, yes, absolutely. You're correct. In 1997, Lilith Fair was created by Sarah McLaughlin. I didn't know Sarah McLaughlin created it. I know. And I didn't know anything about Lilith Fair. I've heard of it. I always wish I could have gone to it. I know. I was like, I know you know. But at the time, there were little to no women in music. So if a woman was signed, it was because she was the only one on the record label. Mm -hmm. Labels would tell women, we only have one slot open and we gave it to Cheryl Crow. So 
in comes Sarah McLaughlin with a goal, a bone to pick, and Lilith as her feminist co-pilot. So cool. While media scoffed it off as a joke and violently called it a, a lesbopalooza, the cultural importance of Lilith Fair cannot be understated. In the three years it ran, it did 130 tour stops, showcased 300 women artists, had over 1.5 million attendees, grossed $52 million, and donated over $10 million to women's charities. What? That's yeah. One fifth of its earnings. That's a ton. That was fast math. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so cool was, oh my gosh i like love this this I, oh and sarah mclaughlin just got i love cooler. it too i know she's not just she doesn't just play pictures of sad dogs oh, play videos of sad dogs. Get through one of those oh. commercials i don't think anyone could get through one of those commercials it was also responsible for the careers of many women you probably haven't heard of any of them but i'm gonna talk to, i'm gonna list their names anyway. okay Missy Elliott, what? Erica Badu, Dido, Nelly Furtado, Christina Aguilera, Tegan and Sarah, and the Dixie Chicks, who are now just the Chicks. But it was also responsible for catapulting artists like Jewel, Cheryl Crow, and Shania Twain to the top of the charts. Because, like, literally before this, they and Vanity Fair did a really good article. It was like the um, like verbal history mm-hmm. of, or not verbal history. The what's the auditory history? I don't know. What's what's the word? The spoken history, spoken word. I don't know. Um, But they did a really interesting one where they were just like, it was just quotes. It was just like 10 pages of like quotes from people who were in it. And and they were basically saying that like, yeah, like if they wanted to have a woman performing with another woman, then they, they called them lesbians or like no one wants to see that or like blah, blah, blah. So like everyone thought that like that's why they called it a lesbopalooza because of course like women supporting women and women wanting to be close and have intimate friendships and everything with must automatically mean yeah and also and like, even if they were lesbian who freaking cares <laughs> I know I'm sure they had a really fun time I would want to go while all the hard work and badassery of all these women cannot be understated I think we need to dust off our altars and thank Lilith for being the very first woman to dissent. Before dissenting was cool. Mm-hmm. What a tagline. Yes, <laughs> right? Um, she was, she's a hipster dissenter. As Aviva Cantor Zuckoff wrote, quote, What men are saying, really, is that Lilith fights dirty. But this is a meaningless concept designed to keep women from developing and utilizing their strength to fight, period. Lilith, and must be emphasized, is a fighter and a fighter and a good cause. End quote. So that's your brief history on... Lilith. Just lit a fire inside of me. I'm like, who can I? I want to fight. Who can I fight? I I, I just I like I, I, I want I want to like go on a rant right now, and I have no one to rant at. <laughs> you can um, rant at me when we get done with this podcast. Okay. You can rant next to me. Okay. So real quick, my sources were. This is the best article title ever. Praise Lilith, a chill demon cast from Eden for a fusioning missionary position. Ugh. <laughs> by Sarah, I know. By Sarah Lyons Revise. Lilith, Lady Flying in Darkness by Rabbi Jill Hammer for MyJewishLearning.com, Jewish Women's Archives, The Coming of Lilith by Judith Plaskow, and Building a Mystery, an Oral History, that's the one, an Oral History of Lilith Fair by Jessica Hoffer <laughs> with Sasha Green and Jen Pelly for Vanity Fair and Glamour. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, Yeah, and I know it's, it's a super brief timeline of it, but again, this is a mini episode. It's also and- something to like bring her back into like our thoughts, you know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. And I hope like this for yeah. other people's research or just like have, it makes you think about her. And yeah, yeah, totally. 
And that's basically, that's like the Cliff Notes version of Lilith. I think she's really cool. Yeah, and she's also popped up in like Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I really I like her really in that. I really like her in that one because I love Michelle Gomez or whatever. Isn't that her name? I don't know. Isn't that I just really like well, I just love the actress. I do too. Yeah. Yeah, I love I love everything that she's portrayed in. Frasier. I don't, I never saw her in True Blood, but I didn't make it past like the fourth Oh, yeah, season. she is, but... Yeah, we don't count true blood. Okay, well, that we kept it mini. Mini. So we just want to thank you for listening to Harlots of History. Oh wait, are we doing? Well, it? We, we've memorized it by now, right? Well, we can wing it. We can wing it. Okay, okay, we'll yeah, wing okay. It. okay. So we just want to thank you for listening to Harlots of History. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Amazon, Stitcher iHeartRadio, and anywhere else you could find a podcast. (laughs) Yeah, we don't know what we're on. (laughs) And you can also see how cute we are on Instagram at Harlots of History Podcast. If you enjoy us like we enjoy you, please leave us a five-star review on I was going to say Yelp. I've been working <laughs> Not on Yelp. Don't Yelp about us. Um, On Apple Podcasts. Or Spotify. really... Well, you can't leave no, reviews you on can Spotify. Give us, you can follow us on Spotify. Yeah, like follow subscribe us. Subscribe to us on Spotify. Like us. We also want to say we've been getting like a ton of uh, messages on Instagram and stuff from new listeners about how much you guys like it. And we it love makes us to get feel those. so special. Like, yeah. even if you tell us you right now, it, so right you now, hear that I too. am recording in my child's bedroom. Like, that is where I'm recording. And I am researching while my children sleep and while they are like running around me. And Emily, I wrote this episode while chugging a energy drink at 3 a.m. in between setting for anatomy tests the other night. So it's just it's just like so nice to know that this hard work that we kind of are doing for fun is being appreciated. And what are, what are, yes. what's coming next week or next Monday? Oh, so. No, you talk oh, about so, it. Well, it's no, it's not. No, it's yeah, ours. We, next week we oh, yeah. are doing, it is our very first joint episode. We wanted to bring a special presidential episode to you. And we are doing FDR and Eleanor and their mistresses. And it is going to be amazing. Amazing. This is, I think we are going to be doing like a, a du- like not a two-parter, but a, one we collaborate on at least once a month. Not, not, one, not so, once a month. Probably like... Yes, that's we only have four episodes a month. We can't do it once a month. Well, we are doing it once a month. I was thinking more like bi-monthly because then we have you're a bi-monthly. Eh, I can live with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Go, go, go. <laughs> we tried. We tried. Oh, okay. This is Emily and Karamia taking back the word harlot. One episode at a time. Be a harlot. Not a hater. Bye. Bye.